Welcome to Church Ahead, the weekly Christian podcast talking about big questions facing the future of church with Rev L all the way from the north of England. Episode 25, Catholics at Liverpool. This is the final week of our journey round the church conference circuit and we've saved the best till last. Today we're in Liverpool for the Catholic National Eucharistic Congress. Not this year, but in September 2018. If you're a typical Church Ahead listener, you are probably Protestant. So I'm probably stretching you outside your comfort zone today. But if we're going to really get a sense of the whole of Christianity, then we need to get to grips with the biggest religious organisation in the Christian world, the Roman Catholic Church. So to mix my metaphors, we're going across the River Tiber for a conference on the banks of the River Mersey. We've got a Sunday morning service in the Metropolitan Cathedral. They would call it a Mass, but I'm going easy on your unfamiliarity with this exotic church followed by a procession through the streets. But let's begin with the talks at the Echo Arena. That's the big pop music venue down in the regenerated docks. The headline speaker was Bishop Robert Barron, who at the time was an auxiliary bishop in the Archdiocese of Los Angeles. So from the west coast of America, to the west coast of northern England. He is one of the big guns on church renewal amongst English-speaking Catholics worldwide. If you've ever heard any of the English Catholic bishops, then you've probably been bored to tears and you will understand why they need to bring in an American to rally the English faithful. What I really like about Robert Barron is that he's a clever man who, like all brilliant preachers, uses his big brain not to show us how clever he is, but to give us fresh inspiration with new insights into simple things we thought we knew until he shows us a completely different way of seeing. He seems to specialise in thoughtful accounts of simple issues like why do we go to church? What's the point of it? What do we think is going on when we worship? So one of his talks takes the basic communion service structure and puts it into the frame of two lovers calling and answering each other. He goes right through each part of the service, showing how God is calling us and how we answer. Call to worship and confession, responsorial psalm, which sometimes turns it the other way around as we cry out and God answers us. How God calls us in the gospel and how we answer in the creed. Does he really believe every word of the creed? I don't know. The difficulty in reading Catholic clergy is the reality that they don't have the freedom Protestant clergy have to say what they really think. They can really only say the party line. I suspect Barron is more conservative than me, but that doesn't prevent him from lighting my fire. Barron is a brilliant communicator with a lot of warmth and humanity. 
You know how I like to find the religious significance in pop music? Well, he gave us a masterclass of this. One of the numerous things I did not like about Richard Cokin's talk at Keswick was his failure to make any nod to his Lake District setting. Well, Bishop Barham made not just the generic references to the Beatles, as any speaker in Liverpool will be expected to make, he gave us some real insight into the mind and heart of John Lennon. He was talking about the wheel of life and how life seems to raise us up and drop us down again and again, round and round it goes, like a fairground ride, and how we need to find a centre in God so that we're not thrown by life's ups and downs. He made the point well, and then he brought in John Lennon's song, Watching the Wheels, from his last album, where Lennon talks about the decade of his 30s after the Beatles, when he was a home husband, enjoying a slower, more stable life. And then the crescendo, as Baron asked, can anyone imagine what John Lennon's inner life was like during the roller coaster decade of the Beatles. I'll give you a clue. Help. I need somebody. Help. Not just anybody. This was such a brilliant way of making his point. It drew immediate applause as this Liverpool crowd thought about the spiritual life through the biography of their most famous son. This talk was laser-guided, tailor-made to a very specific place, using culture from that place. Bishop Barron had done his homework, and he knew exactly where he was speaking and who he was speaking to. The Congress was over a weekend, and on Sunday morning I was in the Metropolitan Cathedral for the Congress Mass. Are you comfortable enough with Catholicism now for me to get away with that word? What I love about Paddy's wigwam, to give the cheeky scouse nickname, is the light coming through the coloured stained glass windows in blue and red, thanks to artists John Piper and Patrick Rentians. As a mid-20th century modernist building, it says we're confident about the future. Liverpool's Anglican Cathedral is wonderful too, but in a backward-looking, nostalgic way. The Catholic Cathedral says future. The music was gorgeous and the liturgy alive and heartfelt. The talk was good, but the local bishop preaching had a job not to sound like the poor relation after Robert Barron. And then it fizzled out with a weak cup of coffee and we all went home. No. And then the highlight. Listen to this. Christ walked out of the cathedral and processed through the streets of Liverpool. OK, not literally, but in Catholic terms, as good as. There was a long procession of white-robed clergy out of the cathedral and down the steps, hundreds of them in pairs. At the front was the crucifer flanked by candles, and then the little Madonna from Walsingham, 
and then at the back, under a canopy, was Cardinal Vince Nichols, holding up something very special. One more Catholic piece of jargon, I'm afraid. The monstrance. It looks a bit like a candlestick with rays of sunburst around where the sacrament is held in the middle. It's designed for carrying the sacrament around and showing it off. And it is an absolutely beautiful object. And the whole procession walked for half a mile round the block. Wow! Now where do I begin in telling you how moving this spectacle was? The blingy, radiant, golden jewellery of the monstrance and long lines of white-robed clergy are a powerful sight inside church. But when you bring all that ritual outside of church, onto the street, then I get really giddy. There's something about the sacred connecting with the secular. Heaven comes down to earth. Christ could not be more incarnate in this worship. I've seen street processions all over the place, secular processions at Notting Hill Carnival and Pride events. They've been good enough, but I've never seen anything so beautiful, meaningful, and yes, powerful as this. There were about 10,000 people there, and I think most of them felt the same. This was really special even in the squally Liverpool showers. Vince, as Liverpool Catholics like to call their local boy, Made Good, who is now the most senior Catholic churchman in this country, was carrying the monstrance in a manner that I would describe as mournful, gentle, maybe even reluctant, praying and looking down at the ground as he walked. He said they were doing this thing, and I quote, in the spirit of penance, mindful of clerical abuse of children. As he rightly said, there was not an iota of triumphalism about the event. There was a sadness, if anything, almost funereal. It was not a march or a staking out of territory. There was no marching band. A few hymns were sung. Sometimes they just walked on in silence. I need to give you some history. The last National Eucharistic Congress for England's Roman Catholics was in 1908, when they were still coming out from hiding, only recently legal again, after centuries of persecution not fully accepted in English society. 2018 was more of a going down as the Catholic Church shrinks numerically, long past its peak in this country. So there was a lot of poignance about this procession. I want to tell you my dream of the one difference I might have liked to see. It was good to see Paul Bayes, the Anglican Bishop of Liverpool, closely involved in the procession. But you know the street that runs between Liverpool's two cathedrals is memorably called Hope Street. What I would love to see would be a similar procession from a communion in the Anglican Cathedral come down along Hope Street 
to meet the Catholic procession halfway along Hope Street. And then, what would I see? Well, perhaps they might mingle or might even cross past each other and process on to worship at the other side's cathedral. Maybe in another world. You probably know that Liverpool is the most sectarian city in England, which is why for 50 years since the days of Bishop um, David Shepherd and Derek Warlock, the Catholic bishop, the senior clergy in Liverpool, Catholic and Protestant, have worked closely together and they often like to make gestures of unity because the symbolism here matters. Now, lest you think I've been too chummy with the Catholics today, I'd like to finish by leaving them a challenge that goes to the heart of their understanding of what the church is and what it's for. If you Roman Catholics really believe that Christ is present in that little piece of bread, then why do you keep him locked away in what looks like a biscuit barrel behind the altar? Why not bring him out and onto the street every week? Why is it only once every century at your Eucharistic Congress that you do this? Why not every Sunday in every parish? So there we go. Three conferences over three episodes of Church Ahead, all in the north of England. Keswick Convention, Heart Edge leads both consciously non-denominational and the Roman Catholic National Eucharistic Congress in Liverpool, which is emphatically one denomination. They couldn't have been more different. Keswick was well run, but the content was awful. Heart Edge I will never know how good it was because it was too hard to get in. I suspect the conference might have been good if you could get in. And this wonderful experience in Liverpool, amongst the biggest church that sometimes makes the mistake of talking as though it's the only Christian church. The conference bit was good, but the procession was out of this world. Glory be to God on high and on the streets of Liverpool. Thank you for listening to episode 25. That's the end of the conference circuit. Next week, we're going to look at the most divisive issue in the Christian church, sexuality. Sexuality.